Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world with the good news. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from yesterday's message and our current In the Word series as we journey through the book of Colossians. Let's take a listen. Let's go to Colossians chapter one, and I want you to read with me verses one and two. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, the saints to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. God, we thank you that your word is living. God, we thank you that your word is not only God breathed, but it is still you breathing. And so God, I pray that your word would transform our hearts today and God, that you would open our eyes um, to what Paul is writing um, to this church. And God will praise you for it all in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the verses one and two um, is kind of the greetings. If you look at all the epistles that Paul wrote, they all start out similar in the same way. He introduces himself and it's really addressed to the people that he's writing it to. And a lot of times, if we're not careful, we fly right over that and we just jump to kind of the context of what's in the chapter. But when I was reading this, it just sort of God slowed us down and said, no, there's, there's several things that I want you to see just in this greeting. If you notice, the letter is from him and Timothy, And the first thing that he says about them both is that we're called by God and we are in his will. We're called by God and we are in his will. What's interesting about that is they're called by God and they are directly in the center of God's will and where that finds them is in prison. And I know that there's a lot of us in here going, oh man, that doesn't really sound... Like that should be God's will. But what we have to see is that as we've been talking for the last several weeks, that there's a lot of times that even when we are in God's will, we find ourselves in difficult situations. And that's exactly where where Paul and Timothy had found themselves. They're directly in God's will. They're called by God, but they are in prison. And that's what I think we learn to admire most about Paul is he never lets his circumstances influence his calling. He never lets what life has thrown at him influence the calling that God has on his life. He's never let the circumstances compromise that call. He's one of those guys that just embraced the tough spot and says, God, use me in this tough spot. Use me in this tough season. And I know that we talked about that several weeks back, but I would wonder how many of us in the room are in tough circumstances, in a tough situation, but are we allowing God to use us in those circumstances? Or have we allowed the enemy to hijack what God has called us to do because of those circumstances? And so the next thing we see and the next thing we notice is he's identified themselves as we are in the will of God and we are called by God. But then he talks specifically to who this letter addresses. And this letter is addressed to the believers. But what I found and what the Lord showed me was that what's cool about this is he addresses these believers in two locations. 
He talks about their physical location, which is in the city of Colossae, which is in this small town. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more later. So we see that he addresses them in their physical location, but then he also addresses them in their spiritual location. And he talks about them being in Christ. He talks about that they have trusted in Jesus as their savior. They're trusted in the blood sacrifice that was given on Calvary. They've trusted in all of that, so therefore they are now in Christ. And that is why he's writing this letter to all of those who are in Colossae, but also are in Christ, who have been saved by God's grace. And so, you know, when we look at just those two verses, we could honestly take a time out or even give an invitation and look at these two verses alone and look at these three questions that have kind of been birthed from this greeting. And I would ask you just to even right now in this moment to examine your hearts with all three of the questions that I'm gonna ask that come out of these, three, or these two verses. Number one, are you in Christ? Have you placed your faith in the sacrifice, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Are you in Christ? The second question I would ask you is that, are you allowing God to use you in your circumstances? No matter how bad they are, no matter how good they are, but are you allowing God to use you in your circumstances? And then the third question I would ask you, is God using you where he's got you? Teenagers, is he using you in your school? Is he using us as adults in our workplace? Is he using us parents in our home with our, kid, with our children and our spouses? So those three questions alone, we could honestly give an invitation now and say, number one, are you in Christ? Is God using you? Are you allowing God to use you in your circumstances? And the third question, is God using you where he's placed you? because he's placed you where he wants to use you. But obviously we're only like four minutes into this, so we're not finished. We're not gonna give an invitation yet. So I want you to keep reading with me in verses three through six. We, talking about Paul and Timothy, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. I want you to underline that word, heard, circle it, whatever you have to highlight it, but we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all of the saints because of the, peop because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you just as in all the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. I want us to stop there because I just want us to take note again that be reminded that he's writing this to the believers that are in Christ, but he's writing them in the city of Colossae in their small town, if you would, and what's going on kind of in this small community is that the gospel has absolutely done a work. The gospel is on the move. The gospel is transforming people. And what I love most about this is the next thing that Paul says is he writes them in Colossae and he says, I have heard about your faith 
and the love you have for one another. Can you imagine if I came in here this morning and said, dear Chestnut Mountain Church family, I've got a letter that I received in the mail from the Apostle Paul. And he just asked me to read it to you. And what if I opened that letter and I said, dear Chestnut Mountain Church, I, Paul, have heard of your faith and the way you love other believers. You see, what makes that even more interesting, as far as we know, Paul hasn't been there. Paul wasn't even directly responsible for planting this church. But because of all that God is doing, because of the movement of God, him and Timothy have heard about the work that God is doing in Colossae, has heard about the work that God is doing even while they're in prison. I don't know about you, but that's God making some noise. That's God doing a mighty work. But there's so much love. There's so much power that they have heard about the work of God even while they are in prison. But you see, he heard about it because of what he says. Because of the hope you now have in Jesus. The hope that you have found in Jesus is the reason you're loving the way you love. The hope that you have found in Jesus is the reason that you are doing what God has called you to do. And so Paul and Timothy have heard about all of the work. The people in the community are seeing all that God is doing. And so while we can celebrate that, while we can even think about the fact that what if what if Paul stood and said that to us? What if Paul said, Chestnut Mountain Church family, I have heard about what all God is doing. I have heard about your faith and I have heard about the way you love people. I don't know if there would be any more thing, anything more humbling than someone saying that about a local body of believers. That I've heard the way you love and I've heard about your faith. So how would we answer that? What, how would we respond? I'll tell you how we better respond. It's church that if that is being said in the community that people are seeing what God is doing, that people are hearing what God is doing, we better be careful. We better be careful because if the world, if even believers, but let's take it a step further, even if a lost world, even if lost people are hearing about all that God is doing and they're taking note of how we love people, if they're taking note of how we love people, you better believe they're taking note of how we don't love people. So while we love to celebrate, man, everybody sees what God is doing. Everybody sees and hears that God is moving. They see how our church is loving the community. You better believe that they are also seeing and looking for how we don't love our community. And here's what I mean by that. 
How we love others has the power to draw people to the church. But how we don't love others drives them away. How we love others draws them here, but how we don't love others drives them away. How as believers are we treating each other? How as a church family are we treating each other? Look, I'm not saying that we're all gonna get along all the time. That's where I'm surprised I didn't hear a bunch of amens. <laughs> we're not always gonna agree. We're not always gonna, our opinion's not always gonna line up. But church, the world is watching to see how we love each other even in disagreements even when we don't like the other one's opinion. And so I'm not gonna try to ignore the fact that yes, we are going to disagree. Yes, we're not going to get along all the time. But the one thing that I will tell you, and this may be kind of just jumping in, but I will tell you that Facebook and social media is not the place for the believers to resolve their conflict. Social media for the lost world to watch is not our opportunity to make a relationship right. Because I'll go ahead and tell you, it ain't gonna happen. Because watching those responses, watching those comments, a lost world is looking in and going, man, if that's the church and they love each other, I don't want anything to do with that. Look how harsh, look how mean, look how much hatred. Church, I can tell you right now that Paul would not have looked at a lot of our Facebook posts and say, I've seen the way you love each other. <laughs> he would say, have you lost your mind? But you see, that's why Jesus was so, so passionate about protecting the fellowship. That is why in Matthew 18, Jesus challenged us all then when we have a conflict, how do you do it? You go to social media and you tap out all your emotions? You talk about how you don't like this brother or sister in Christ? No, Matthew 18 says you do what? Go to them in private. Because Jesus knew the weight. He knew the weight of that other people were watching and listening and seeing how we as the church love each other. Because remember, the way we love has the power to draw people, but how we don't love has the power to repel people. So are we loving? Are we loving the way that Christ has taught us to love? Jesus wants to protect the fellowship. So that should be all of our heart's desire is to protect the fellowship. Now let's take this even a step further and this isn't even here, but this is not only about inside the four walls of the Colossian church. This is not only about the four walls of Chestnut Mountain Church. Here's the reality. Are we gonna always agree and see eye to eye with what other churches are doing? It's okay to say no. No, we're not. But I can tell you one thing, 
that it's not our responsibility to judge what other churches are doing. It is our job to be other churches' biggest fan. As long as it lines up with the gospel, as long as it is not heresy, as long as it's not false teachings, but we are to be every other church's biggest cheerleader. We shouldn't go home on Sunday afternoon going, oh man, look what God did there. He sure didn't move that way in my church. No, you celebrate it. You celebrate that God is moving. It doesn't matter where he's moving. You just celebrate the fact that he's bringing people to the saving knowledge of his grace and his mercy. We celebrate that. And please, let's don't get on social media and badmouth men that are called by God, women that are called by God, ministries that are called by God, because it doesn't line up with our opinion. If you got a problem with it, talk to them in private private and resolve it that way. That protects the fellowship. Because remember, if they're hearing about it and seeing about all the good news, they're waiting for some bad news. People are looking for another excuse not to be in the house of God. And so we've got to be careful. And so up to this point in verse six, we've seen that the gospel has transformed. They've People have acknowledged and seen their faith. They've seen the way that they love each other. But they've also taken note that the gospel is constantly bearing fruit. Verse six, I love how it says, it is constantly bearing fruit. That word it is in reference to the gospel because the gospel is the only thing that has the power to save. The gospel is the only thing that has the power to bring transformation. And the day that we stop making it about the gospel is the day we need to hang it up. So it, the gospel, is constantly bearing fruit. And the fruit that is being produced is evidence of what this local body and what this church is connected to. The evidence of what is being produced, the fruits that are being bore, the, the fruits that are being seen now are the evidence that they are attached to the vine, that they are attached to the life source. And that is Jesus. And so church, I want this to be our prayer. That when people speak of this local fellowship, when people speak of this local body of believers, I want them to speak of the way we love and the fruit that is being produced. I don't want them to speak of, of a worship band. I don't want them to speak of a pastor. I don't want them to speak of a teacher. I don't want them to speak of a staff member. But what we should want in this community is for simply people to be talking about love and talking about the gospel and the transformation that has happened here only because of him. Only because of him. But are people talking about the fruit being produced? And are people talking about the way that the body of believers love? Now, 
what's interesting about this movement that's taking place in Colossae is, is that many scholars believe that it, it, it was birthed and launched through a man named Epaphras. Look at with me in verse seven and eight. Verse seven and eight, Paul goes on to write, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the spirit. I love how Paul identifies himself with this man named Epaphras. He calls him a fellow bondservant. What that would connect them under is the blood of the cross. It meant that they were two, both purchased by the blood of the lamb. And what married them two together, what, what allowed them to lock arms was only that of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And so they were connected under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. They were fellow bond servants, meaning that they were slaves to the very one who sacrificed his blood on their behalf. Meaning that they had given sole authority to Jesus Christ as Lord. They had surrendered and submitted their life to him and said, God, use me however it may be. And in this, we are fellow bond servants together. And we're gonna do what God has called us to do. But now what's interesting to take it a step further is you begin to see the love that Epaphras had for what was going on in the city of Colossae. Because one thing that we also know that through the studies is, is that Epaphras was, he was saved under Paul's ministry. He was empowered under Paul's ministry. And so we know that there's kind of a, a relationship between these two. Many scholars believe that he would have been the pastor or the leader of this local body, this local congregation. And I would lean to believe that because of the love that he had for these people, because of the concern that he had for these people. You see how this letter sort of came to be is because Epaphras had some concerns about what was going on in the church. While the community was hearing about all of the good, while they were seeing how people loved, while they were seeing the fruits that were being produced, Epaphras all knew too well what was also going on. You see, there was a lot of people coming to this church because of what was moving, what was going on. And so as people continued to come, as the, as the, the people group, if you would, grew, the more people that come, the more opinions they brought the more theology they brought, the different beliefs they brought. And so what is happening is now, the enemy is trying to disrupt what God was doing. The enemy was trying to disrupt the movement of God because here's what I want you to understand. That if a community is hearing about and seeing about all of the things that God is doing, you do realize the enemy sees what God is doing and the devil sees exactly what God is doing. And so he has plans that are contradictory or contradicting to what God wants to do. And so of all that's being heard, all that's being seen, all that God is doing, the enemy's gonna work his way inside that local body to try to sow dissension, to try to sow discord, to try to hijack the word of, work of God. 
Now, on a side note, you do realize that the enemy will do everything he can to try to, try to stop the church from the outside. Look at what happened in 2020. This time last year, you were sitting at home. This is 11.40. Some of you probably still in your pajamas. Some of you may have just even rolled up out of bed. And you, at that moment, you were thinking, I could get used to this church life. I ain't even brushed my teeth yet, and I'm already at church. So you see, the enemy tried to do everything he could to stop what God was doing. The enemy said, you know what? We'll use this virus to shut the entire nation down so the local assemblies will quit meeting together. The devil didn't win. The enemy did not stop what God was doing and what God is still doing. You look at what God is simply doing here. The fact that we've seen over 40 people surrender their heart and their life to Jesus Christ in the last month and a half is a miracle by God. The fact is that we've got to sit down and meet tomorrow to figure out how we can start squeezing all these baptisms in so that it doesn't keep us here all day and so we sort of balance things out. That is the work of God. The fact that we're having to add seats into this room to make room for people is only by God's grace, only by a movement of God. But church, where we better be careful is the same thing that is going on with the Colossians here. The communities here and the community seeing, the enemy also sees. And if he can't stop us from the outside, He's gonna do everything he can to get on the inside. See, the enemy would love nothing more than for all of us to not get along. For all of us to despise each other. But you see, in the city of Colossae, what was going on in this church is because of the influx of people because the influx of all that was going on, you had all these new theologies, you had all these new philosophies, you had all these new teachings that were trying to come in and they were trying to hijack the gospel. Because remember, the gospel is what transformed them to begin with. The word it, that is what has brought life. That is what's changed these people. That is what's drawn the people from darkness to light. Only the gospel. But the enemy knew if I can get in there and I can sow seeds of discord, if I can get in there and I can teach something different, then I can divide the church. I can divide this body of believers and I can hijack the work of what God is doing. There was three categories of kind of the false teachings that were going on. Um, we don't have to spend a lot of time there, but just so you'll know, um, one of them received the label of exclusive spirit meaning that these were some super spiritual people that were in the congregation that supposedly God had revealed to them other ways to get to God. And so we see that there's some false teachings that are taking place, that, that, that Jesus wasn't the only way, that there's other ways 
that we can have a relationship to God. Another one was some of the Greek philosophy that was being introduced, basically that God was not responsible for all of creation, that there was other elements to the creation. Then second, or the third item was they were kind of lumped together was the Jewish religion, which remember, these are Jewish people. They've been delivered from the bondage of the law. They've been delivered from having to follow the rules, having to follow guidelines in order to make God love them. And all that some of the teachings were doing was trying to get them to submit back to that, to try to go back to following rules, to try to go back to following all the regulations. But along with that also came what was said as unrestrained doctrine meaning that they just became very liberal on their theology, meaning that they were just sort of open to whatever teachings made you feel good, to whatever teachings tickled your ears. One of the scholars wrote this. He said that the, the unrestrained doctrine was the evaporating, the doctrine was evaporating into steam and it was being lost in liberalism and false philosophy. So what's interesting about all three of these, all three of these false teachings, nothing was completely taking Jesus out of the equation. None of them was completely rejecting Jesus. But what all of them were doing was either adding to Jesus or taking away from Jesus. They still wanted to use the name Jesus so that it would open the people's ears, but then what they were doing was they were adding things and they were taking away things. And church, that's the very thing that we've gotta be careful of. I hope that you don't have to worry about anybody on this campus, any of our staff, any of our group leaders, anybody involved in serving in ministry blatantly teaching false doctrine or their own opinions. But the one thing that I would warn us of is that if we're not careful, we have the tendency to sort of add things to Jesus or take away things from Jesus, meaning that we sometimes wanna make church something it's not. And this is where I need you to hold me accountable. You see, our mission and our passion and our heart here is to not build a brand, not build a church name. I don't want you in the community speaking of the church's name over and over and again. What I want you speaking of is the power of the gospel. What I want you speaking of is who Jesus Christ is. What I want you speaking of is the gospel in which he used to save us. That's what we wanna speak of. Jared said it in one of our meetings one day that there's so many places, and this has gotta be our prayer here, that we're not more concerned about the brand than we are the bride. We don't wanna be worried about making a name for ourselves. We don't want people to lift Chestnut Mountain Church's name up. What we want people doing is lifting the name up of an almighty God, the only one who is worthy to be praised. And the day that we make it about something other than that, we might as well throw in the keys. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want the community's attention to be on this flawed man. 
I don't want the community's attention to be on you as a flawed people. Because when they begin to put a church name up on a pedestal, guess what? We're all fleshly people who are messes and we are gonna fall flat on our face. And all of a sudden that world that's listening, the world that is watching, they have now found another excuse of why I don't wanna be around those hypocrites. That's why we give the attention to who Christ is, not who we are. And that is one reason that I am very, sometimes too transparent. Sometimes I probably let you in a little bit too much. But I want you to see, I have the same struggles you do. I fall flat on my face just like you do every day. I don't want people's attention to be on me. I don't want people's attention to be on you. I want people's attention to be on the saving grace of Jesus Christ. That's it. That is it. You see, the fact that we're getting to see a movement of God that For many of us, I don't know that we've ever seen God move the way that he has. And the fact that God is moving, I don't know if you remember, but several weeks ago when we had many move forward through, with salvation and they, I brought them up on stage and it got really awkward. And I specifically talked to them and I said, look, you're experiencing a victory you're experiencing a win today by the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But because of this victory, you are now a prime target for the enemy. Chestnut Mountain Church, because of what we are getting to see God do here, we are a prime target for the enemy. We are a prime target for an attack of the enemy. But what we must do is we must do what 1 Peter 5, 8 talks about. We're to be sober and alert because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So we as a church family, we've gotta to learn to recognize the enemy for who he is. We've gotta ask God to keep our eyes open We've gotta ask God to keep our hearts open to listen to his voice. And church, here's where I need you, is I need you to hold me accountable. Because the day that I make this about anything other than him, I need you to call me out. Because I don't want that to be the case. Because we can never make it about anything other than him. Never make it about anything other than him. We've gotta give credit where credit is due. You do know that we don't have the power to save anyone. It's not in us. It's only through the grace of Jesus Christ. But church, because of what God is doing, because of what was taking place in the Colossians, Paul had heard about it. 
He'd seen their faith. He was seeing the fruit that had been produced. But also the enemy took note of it. And the enemy was doing everything he could to get inside the church to hijack the work of what God was doing. And so church, we better be sober and we better be alert because the enemy wants to disrupt what God's doing. He wants to hijack the work of an almighty God. But you see, that's where we all come in together as as a church family. You see, that attack won't necessarily start in this room per se, but where it'll start is in your home. Where it'll start is in your family. And then if we allow the enemy to get in and destroy that home, if we allow that enemy to get in and to sow discord in that home, that ends up spilling over into this local fellowship. And so what we must do as a body of believers is we must surround ourselves with people who are helping us watch, with people who are helping us discern what is of the enemy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.